Hello. Happy New Year. This is Amy Gang. You're listening to A Word on Plays. This month's podcast is a little late, but I hope you enjoy it. Um, Jana Geck is a wonderful actress, so much fun to hang out with, and she's a, a brilliant educator. Uh, she talks a lot about teaching and and education and children in general. So I hope you really enjoy this podcast. If you haven't already, like us on Facebook. Um, like, share the whole thing. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, just hit subscribe and you'll get it straight to your phone or email or whatever. And then finally, if you could just write a review or hit those gold stars, um, I would greatly appreciate it. It would be super helpful. Tell your friends, but if you can't, just write a review. I will leave you to it. Thank you, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm here with Jana. Uh, and we're talking about Ahmed the Philosopher by Alain Boudou, um, translated by Litvak. Uh, Litvak. That's all I know. He's got a first name. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, it's Joseph. It's Joseph Litvak. That was awkward, an awkward beginning. How are you, Jana? <laughs> I'm really good. Yay. Got done with teaching fourth grade today, and now I'm here. Congratulations. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Ahmed the Philosopher. Great. I don't want to go through the whole plot of all 34 short plays. Sounds good. As short as they may be. But uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how um, Ahmed the Philosopher is structured? So Ahmed the Philosopher is a series of 34 short scenes, um, a lot of monologues. It's got a lot of fun improvisation. Um, And so each of the sketches kind of revolves around one central idea or theme or something to kind of chew on for the course of that two, three, five-page scene. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so so Ahmed the Philosopher is this this book, specifically the one we read, the thirty-four short plays for children and everyone else, uh, is like the fifth iteration of Ahmed the Philosopher. So they had uh four other plays, the first one being Ahmed the Philosopher, uh it's supposed to be based on the character of Scapine, um, by Moliere. Uh so it's supposed to be very commedia del arte. Um, it reminded me of Punch and Judy a little bit. The Punch and Judy plays, like, they're really short and kind of, like, funny and weirdly violent. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely go with that. There's definitely a lot of, like, just stick and beating people that I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. Um, <laughs> I like my philosophy a little more good place sometimes. There you like, go. Like, let's all just love each other and hug and the <laughs> other people will be violent against us. Yeah, let's just put Kristen Bell in the center of all this and we'll... Yeah, you know, let's just (laughs) center white voices and white women. I don't think that happens enough. (laughs) That is a joke for those listening. Right, right. But Ahmed is... uh, He's supposed to be Algerian. Cool. And he is at the center of all of these plays. Um, And he's he's kind of the smart uh, stand-in for Elaine Badu. Uh, with a bunch of really, really dumb people all around him. Um, most They're all French. It's all supposed to be in France. 
That's, I mean, that's the, those are the plays. Um, there were a lot of them. There's a lot of them, yeah. I've been like entrenched in French philosophy for way too long now. <laughs> that's a choice. Pretty much all I know about philosophy I learned from the good place. <laughs> um, and there is some book that is written kind of for children, like Sophie's World. Hmm. Or something. Interesting. Yeah. Which I think there's also a Sophie's Choice, which is vastly Not different. Not for children. Vastly no. different. No. Um, and I have no idea what that is. So every time it was referenced, I was like, did I read a different book? And I <laughs> did because they have different titles. <laughs> and everything about them is different. <laughs> Except that they have the character Sophie. <laughs> so the name. Um. <laughs> okay. You yeah. And then, I mean, that. this is <laughs> – this is going to be a hard one to talk about. This is just going to be a really silly podcast. That sounds great. Yay. Um, this is supposed to be for children. Uh, it's violent and vulgar. And I don't know if you notice this, but Madame Pompustan is her, – her whole impetus is that she's like – supposed to kind of be she's a politician but she's also supposed to kind of be a prostitute like all of the wordplay that is missed out because it's translated like there's some good english wordplay in here but you're missing that real like we're calling her a prostitute and a senator at the same time so great great for children uh, um <laughs> sure you know i mean i, I wonder I, I don't know. I don't know any French. I've never been to France or any French-speaking country, for that matter. I don't know how much is, like, me having a British family and being in America and having grown up with American sensibilities about these kinds of things uh, versus, like, the French sensibility of, like, what we talk to our children about and how do we, you know, speak in front of our children yeah, and I how much of it is it is sorry? How much of it is like this is not exactly for children? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I took French in high school, so I did like four years, and then a little bit in college. Never been to France, um, but I mean, I guess there are some sensibilities in there. Like one of the very famous like French children's songs that I hear French students singing in front of my classroom at like eight o'clock every morning. Um, <laughs> it's is I wish I could like remember the whole thing, but it's all about like plucking a chicken's feathers. Oh, nice. And it's, um, is Alouette? Yes. Chante Alouette. Yeah. Alouette, you're right. That is kind of <laughs> la tête. And then you just go through the body parts of like where you're getting the feathers from. Yeah. And you're just there you go. singing about a dead animal. <laughs> and American yeah. children, when they find out what it's about, they're like, that's weird. Why do you teach us that song? And you're like, I don't know. Because you learn only, body parts. <laughs> not only are we teaching you body parts, we're also teaching you how to practically pluck a chicken. Yeah, which go. American children aren't used to necessarily that being something they have to do ever yeah. and think about. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really awkward thing to teach a child. But when, I mean, America yeah. also has the like <laughs> rockabye baby and then you fall out of the tree, which is yeah, there's also some, very sad. There's some weird American things that I feel like we just kind of gloss over because uh, because we can and or because they're so ingrained in us. This is what my mom's saying to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have, I mean, we have violent cartoons. We have Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Like, Fortnite. certainly not saying America a, is yeah. <laughs> a super peaceful place for children. But the other thing about these plays is they're the concepts are so dense. Like, it's, it doesn't feel like a, we're going to talk about, 
it feels like something that I can't really put my mind around, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I can read one of the short plays and then I can like sit with it for a couple of minutes and like <laughs> think about it, maybe go back and reread it. Um, but I think sometimes we also have a danger of like talking down to children and oversimplifying things. Um, I think especially like modern America. Mm-hmm. This is just like my personal philosophy. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm also a teacher, so it's a soapbox I can stand on for a long time. Please. But I think if kids aren't given some of that opportunity to rise up to the challenges, um, they have a danger of becoming lazy adults that also don't think about philosophy and don't think about these things. Right. So if you introduce it young and you give them short ones, I wouldn't have a kid mm-hmm. sit through 34 in a row, mm-hmm. probably, but like three to five minutes. What happened? What'd you notice? What'd it make you think about? And then mm-hmm. kind of piecing it out and thinking about the pieces in a smaller way, I think could be very interesting. I agree. I think that my least favorite thing, because I think children's theater is one of the most important things that we can do right now, or in general, uh, and one of the worst, like we do it the worst in theater in general, is we do books that children have already read into, we turn them into plays, you know, and we don't really... We, we rest on these ideas that, like, children need to see things that they already know and are comfortable with. And, uh, I don't know, my soapbox is that I feel like that makes people who don't, adults who don't want to go to theater, you know, we, they write it off as this, like, redundant pantomime that they've already seen in five different other, I could just go to the movies, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's very true where, um, especially when you, like, take your class to a play, I have a hard time when it's like, okay, this is a very known quantity. Like, we're going to go see this play of this book that is so famous. They all know it. Mm. They've all read it. It may not necessarily – it might feel boring to them because they already know that story and they already know those characters and they know what's going to happen. And they really want to – if we want to catch, get them caught up in the moment, then I feel like they do need – a new experience. Yeah, I mean, I very much agree. And and I don't think that it necessarily needs to be ta- – I mean, you, nobody needs to be talked down to. Like, attention needs to be kept. <laughs> for sure. And I think there's a lot of room for silliness in these plays that can keep mm-hmm. someone's attention where they may not understand every single word that he's saying. Right. But if you're doing something silly on stage and you're swinging around a giant stick and – making silly faces. Yeah. Like, the kids will be entertained. You're basically doing a commedia play. Yeah. Um, which I think the 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 purpose of these plays is to use humor and physicality and clowning, basically, to, to teach people how to think about things. Like, I think what Elaine Badu says in his introduction and what I think is, like, the main purpose of this play is not to teach people his thoughts on things. It's to teach people how to think um, and what pitfalls kind of, what where you can fall when you like start thinking for yourselves. You listen to other people and you repeat what they say and that's maybe not the best strategy, you know, and you, you kind of have to, the 20, 22nd play that I, I t- was rereading, yeah. he talks about that. He talks about... Uh, they're in the classroom. <laughs> yes. Um, but he, he talks about repetition and what you need, what philosophy is, is finding the little point of light in you 
that makes you different and important and not replicable, basically. Yeah. I think I have it highlighted in this book, so. (laughs) As detestable as the world may be, and it is detestable, there's always a point in yourselves, a personal and obscure point, a point that's unexpected, almost astounding, even to you, which is the point of departure for thinking what is. Yeah. I mean, this goes on and on, and it's... But that's, I think that's the kind of the core of the whole series of the plays is that yeah. beautiful thought. And I like that in that, I think it's the same monologue. Um, he has a lot of monologues. <laughs> so many. Some of them are just monologues. Yeah, but he's just talking about like that joy. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is talking about um, in thinking there's joy, there's enthusiasm, there's happiness, there's pleasure which means that philosophy is also confronting and giving way to the joy of thinking. So, like, I think that's so fun, especially as a teacher. Right. You know, you want to get the kids to be discussing things. A lesson's always more exciting when you can barely hold down the fort, so to speak, because mm-hmm. you've raised an idea and they all just want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And they all want to talk to you about it. And you're like, well, I can't listen to all 25 of you at once. <laughs> I would love to, but I'm one person with two ears and – I need both of them at right. the same time to hear you. So I feel like there is that joy, though, when they get to think about their own things and then respect mm-hmm. other people's opinion, which I think is something else they talk about. Although that yeah. might have been the uh. philosophy <laughs> that starts off that section and is not necessarily considered the best. The the um, So the, that character, Rhubarb, yeah. is supposed to represent the... Uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with Ahmed. I also don't necessarily agree with him. Yeah. But he's supposed to represent this uh, neoliberal that's kind of like washed away all like any of the tenets of liberalism. So he's supposed to be like a wishy-washy liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was saying, he says like, we need to listen. We need to listen to these people and their opinions. And uh, Fenda, who is... Ahmed's girlfriend is saying, well, I don't need to listen to you. You're an asshole and I'm going to kick you in the nuts. Um, woohoo. Way to, way to go, Fenda. Um, and I, think- I would love to talk about Fenda at some point. <laughs> please, please. Uh, but the point being, I think that the, the – and he and Ahmed's just like, we don't know. This is ridiculous. That's wrong. Is it's You can listen and understand what people are saying and still say, no, that's wrong. You know, yeah. like, oh, you're off base. Yeah. I don't need to give merit to that thought. Yeah. Or idea. Like, I see you, and I see you ignoring what's actually true around you and being selfish or being uh, – Mustache is the character that is basically – So an, awful. He's basically a neo-Nazi. <laughs> he's so bad. He is really <laughs> – um, The one time people get beat with a stick that I'm like, yes, please. Keep- uh, well, later on they have the demon who – is it's even more violent. It get the the last yeah, few are yeah. oh my gosh. Anyway, it's nuts. <laughs> Mustache is saying all this hateful rhetoric and and rhubarb is saying we have to listen to him. We have to listen to him. And everybody else is kind of like no, we don't. And that's, you know, I mean, it's one thing to understand where somebody's coming from and what their ideas are. It's another thing to sit and listen to them and give them credit. Absolutely. I and I think respecting um, – he starts out 
rhubarb by saying that you should respect differences and respect the humanity of everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference in respecting the humanity of people and letting them disrespect your humanity or someone else's humanity. Yeah. yeah. And so that's not something that's ever tolerable or should be tolerable. Um, you can hear both sides of the story, but if one story starts to say that I'm the only person that should have rights and mm-hmm. other people should not because I don't want them to, then yeah, you have to you have to kick that. Right. Um, Fenda is really interesting and fun, though, and I loved her. And I feel like this is one of those instances where I decide to love a female character just for, like, and you're not really supposed to. I don't know. (laughs) I love Fenda, and I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah, I reacted really strongly to all of the Ahmed and Fenda (laughs) scenes. And by strongly, I mean I didn't love it. (laughs) And I didn't super want to keep reading it. Um, I think right now I just feel really sensitive about a male character basically constantly insinuating that his girlfriend is either dumb or, like, they just can't see things the same way. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like this old, like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Like, she just isn't listening. And I'm like, I can't do this today. Right. Like, you should be in an equal relationship or, like, just not be in a relationship. <laughs> if she's just going to be some rando dumb girl, that's fine. But if you're in a relationship mm-hmm. and she's your girlfriend, you can't just call her beautiful and make it okay that she, you're insulting her. Yeah. <laughs> um. She – Fenda's supposed to be very – like, this very practical woman mm-hmm. who lives in a very real world who then uh, kind of – she has this possibility of, like, seeing through to the philosophy Mm -hmm. and, like, ascending to that higher level Mm -hmm. that Ahmed is clearly lording over everybody else. Um, But but she doesn't quite ever, because she has to live in the real world. And he insults her, and you're not supposed to agree with any of her opinions about things. And maybe I'm just, like, maybe I'm just kind of like her, where I'm, like, I'm in the real world, and philosophy isn't something I practice every five seconds because I can't all the time. So maybe I just liked her too much. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I mean, I definitely was on her side. Mm-hmm. And anytime time Ahmed <laughs> insulted her, even a little, I was like, you have lost me. Mm-hmm. I no longer like you. You're no longer someone that I can support. Um, but then I think this the first time that he talks to Fenda, the scene after that, he's talking to Mustache. So then you're mm-hmm. like, cool, no, Ahmed, I'm on your side. Right. Not mustache. Right. He's the worst. Yeah. Mustache is, and he's supposed to be the worst. Yeah. It also bugged me a little bit, even though I didn't like Madame Pompostan, who is the senator, and she's the, she's the right wing Catholic uh, senator, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one of the plays, one of the plays in which she is referred to as uh, Mary Magdalene Pompostan. Um, yeah, and she, he talks a lot about how she washes her husband's feet or doesn't wash her husband's feet. And, like, he, they really talk about her sexuality in terms of, like, her identity a lot. And I really – the way they talk about her really makes me uncomfortable. Like, I understand who you're talking about and what you're talking about, but you're talking about a woman – in terms of her sexuality in a derogatory manner. And that yeah. really bugs me. Yeah. 2018 me just like cannot <laughs> with any man mm-hmm. saying anything about how a woman should or should not be or if they're right or wrong. 
with how they use their body. I can't do it. I'm just, I'm done. Yep. I yep. quit. I can't yep. do it. No, thank you. Or women. I don't know. I've, I've. Sure. Or women I've become, telling other women. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. become a defender of prostitutes in, I mean, I've always been sex that workers. way. Yeah. Sex workers. Yeah. Sexual, any sort of sex worker. Um, but I grew up in a town where it was legal and I've just become this person who's like, actually, you don't get to say that about people, you know, that's not shameful. I don't know. I, yeah, it's upsetting, but there, so those are the only two female characters in the first 22 plays, which are the original plays. And then he gets a mom and he gets Camille. Yeah. The, the last few plays, it seemed a little bit. I don't know. I saw a structure in the the flow of the plays because the first maybe like 10 or 12 are all about basic tenets of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like you have one that's named time and you have one that's named the event and that kind of stuff. And then the next the next few up to like 22 are about um, about politics, basically, and philosophy as it relates to politics. Um Notably, the one that like really struck me was the one about uh, about immigrants. It was was that fifteen? Fifteen I think, about oh here and there. Yes, uh, that one was so good. It is, and it's a very. I mean, it's a very great way to look at an immigration situation that is very much like the one that we're having right now. Yeah, just talking so about much why people choose to be in the town that they're in Mm -hmm. um, and who kind of has agency over that situation um, and the resentment that can be fostered based on if you choose to have your own agency or not. Yeah, it was so good. And it's it's talking about how somebody can be in a place and not be from that place or in that place or what – how do they own that place and who legislates what. A lot of politics in that one. Yeah. So it kind of goes from the political and then it kind of turns back on itself. The 22 through 34 are kind of more like, what is philosophy? Who am I? And ah- Ahmed has like understudies and it gets really complicated and weird. <laughs> and I but didn't fun. read them all, but yeah. <laughs> Neither did I. That's why I got real quiet. <laughs> but but yeah, so the, the, the 34 just kind of flow over into an arc that I yeah. felt kind of turned, turned its back on itself. At the end there, but really, um, yeah, the political stuff in the middle is really interesting because, and all the stuff that was politics and Mm -hmm. race, um, and I think four was the language one, Mm. which I just loved. Um, all of those I just I loved and I thought was so great. I just I felt like maybe it would be nice if we started seeing some of this character's arc through a female perspective as well. If there was a little bit more. Um, equality of the sexes within this structure <laughs> um, and not just looking at equality or socioeconomic or different like racial ideas and language ideas. And right. There's that a, was there's the one a, piece that I felt was missing. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about quality, uh, or quality, equality mm-hmm. um, and economics and, and that kind of thing. And he, he Elaine Badu comes mm-hmm. from a very communist Marxist uh, point of view, but he also comes from a kind of ni- – he was born in 1937. Mm-hmm. He's an older man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's lived in France his whole life. Um, 
of Algerian descent, I think. I don't know. It's very unclear to me. But I know he and his dad have lived in France their whole lives. So he is a national of France. Um, lived So lived in the first world his whole life. You know, mm-hmm. lived in a, a fairly easy situation. That's not true because France was a terrible place to live in in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. No, I didn't even but catch I get, that. I, like, I get... I guess, like, the failing of this series of plays is mainly that it comes from the point of view of one person. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't nece- necessarily even call it, like, a failing. I would say, like, the mm-hmm. one piece that I wish there was a little bit more on was equal footing with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, as a female, that's, like, my own lens of how I view everything. Right. Um, <laughs> Where are the women? I don't understand what's going on now. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> This is a man thing to say. <laughs> Can the women just be the smart ones in the room? Please. I would like to see that play. Um, maybe even let a blonde be smart. Um, there you go. It's, that's it's ridiculous. a thing I would like. <laughs> ridiculous. That's why, that's why I let my hair grow brunette. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't found that in my heart yet. So blonde when I was, like, when I was in high school, I was, like, naturally blonde. And then yeah. I didn't let it stop happening and it faded naturally to brown and I I gave up. I'm pretty sure you have, have the same the hair color. I didn't have the money to keep dyeing my hair. <laughs> same birthday. Same hair color. Same, same stock monologue. monologue. <laughs> We're just the same person. It's fine. <laughs> same lens with which we view plays. There we go. Where are the women? We have the same feminism. Oh my god. <laughs> So good. Um, I okay. So I actually really like the way that he structured this play because, like I said, I, I feel like it's a Punch and Judy show. Mm-hmm. But it, I feel like the the benefit from these plays is less in the seeing them and more in the performing them and the working mm-hmm. with them. And I really like that about these plays. I like that they're kind of process driven plays. Um, and they're beneficial to the people who are doing them, uh, perhaps as much as the people who are watching them. Uh, but definitely, like, I think maybe more so. Like, if I were trying to learn this concept, it would be great to dive into this play. And, like, riff on it. As an actor, yeah. Super fun. And, and Elaine Badu talks about being a philosopher, being an actor, just basically mm-hmm. being an actor. There's also, and I'm going to put this on Facebook, also a video on YouTube of him actually acting in one of his plays. It's really funny. He's adorable. (laughs) He's an adorable old man. Love it. Yeah, but I I appreciate something whose benefit is is that is working as is the in the work as much as it is in the performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you do you use theater in in your classroom at all or Um I think yes and no. I think theater has been such a big part of my life for so long that I kind of <laughs> naturally do it. And so I remember when I was in grad school there'd be a lot of times where they would talk about different like theatrical techniques you could add to your classroom. And I was like, "Oh, I thought that was just like being a person." So um we have things called morning meeting now that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you need like you're supposed to do as part of it is some sort of activity 
Um, and usually it's supposed to like create a communal sense of bonding. And I'm like, cool. So these are just games, like theater games. Theater games. These are yeah. theater sports. Cool. <laughs> um, I will look at that book when I don't have one off the top of my head I want to do right now. Um, sounds great. And they're, you know, super fun. So and just with a lot of different stuff, it's like, okay, now use your body to make this. And like, mm-hmm. what if these two characters met? Like, talk about it with your partner. Act it out. Um, so, yes. But when I think of theater, sometimes I think so much of the traditional, like, do we have a script that we're working with and talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I get into something like that, then I get so into the process and the product that I feel like mm-hmm. I – would just teach nothing else and just only do theater all day. Right. Which I would love, but um, <laughs> nobody else. I don't would know be if okay my principal would. <laughs> the uh the state standards <laughs> are a thing mm. that I legally am supposed to do things with. I so. I mean the one of the things that I love about the process of theater is that each little dumb game or thing has a purpose and it turns on some part of your your mental thought process and like you know like hey we're gonna walk with this script now like just walk with the script Mm -hmm. and it turns on a whole different way of thinking Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I fell in love with when I first fell in love with theater was was just using little techniques to switch on little parts of your brain um and and then in that in like doing that you can share that with other people yeah so like in that, I agree with Elaine Badu that theater is, in fact, like philosophy or learning or just, you know, teaching. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all theater. Uh, theater or theater helps with all of it. Yeah. You know, all of it comes back into the theater. And it should, you know, it should. I don't know. We're both like actresses who went to school for it and... <laughs> I don't know. Think it's the best. Yes, and I never had a dream of being on like the big screen. Yeah, I, I didn't like. I always thought it would be awesome if all I ever had to do with my life was Act. rehearse and mm-hmm. perform plays. Like that <laughs> sounded great. I could read them. I could do whatever. Um, that part sounded awesome, but actually being famous sounded like really not fun like not being able to leave my house without like an entourage of people to take care of me or people like (laughs) seeing me on the street and pointing at me and trying to take my picture like none of that sounds great it um it is actually like upsetting to me that uh that that being successful as an actress or being like truly successful mm -hmm. and like the most successful as an actress also means that you get that like there's a lot of places where that's not you know I could be a truly successful psychologist and never have any problems with paparazzi yeah like (laughs) who cares if you're in the grocery store it's upsetting and I like I never I never think that I'm going to get to that point but I also almost like stop myself from dreaming about that point because that's not what I want I want recognition in my field I don't want fame yeah. Fortune would be nice. Yeah. Money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just reasonable amounts of money. Like, enough if, plus hey, if another I, enough. Yeah. If I had Jennifer Lawrence's money, I would probably start giving it away. But I would have it and I would give it to people I deemed worthy. 
I, like I would be like Bill Gates being like, hey, this is a cool project. Here's a bunch of money. <laughs> I always think that when I see things that I'm like, yeah. I should give my money to this. And then I also like whenever I get money, I'm like, ooh, what am I going to buy myself? So I know that I'm truly a very selfish person and I would become – absolute garbage if I had a bunch of money fair fair I would yeah. be the worst I'm not I'm not gonna make that assessment of myself because it's never gonna happen so and I, I, I give a little worst. bit of money to Pike Place Market every year hey. <laughs> and I'm proud of myself for it yeah, yeah. okay all right cool yeah yeah cool cool um I was going to go back to just talking about teaching which is not the play <laughs> that's okay but it, I, I mean it's kind of part of the the whole idea of the play is like what are how are we learning like he wants to teach us how to learn he wants to, we want to use theater to learn how to learn which is a weird thing to say mm-hmm. learn how to think yeah like a philosopher which is yeah. um but perhaps the most important thing to learn is to learn how to think yeah definitely. And, <laughs> definitely. and i appreciate that about him i don't know if so it says it's for children yeah, I was going to talk about that a little where it says it's for children and everyone else. I just wonder if he's like kind of looking back at that concept of was this written like this part was published in the 80s? Is that right? Am I making that up? 84 was when he wrote his first uh, Ahmed the Philosopher play. And then I think early 90s was when this came out. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I feel like still there was a lot of media consumption that was kind of by everyone. I think that was very much true in maybe, like, the 50s and 60s where there's, like, four channels on the TV (laughs) and maybe really bad at my history. Um, I was not alive then. So – but, like, if everyone's watching I Love Lucy, there might be jokes that are for the adults and jokes that are for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we're looking at that structure, then, like, the whole family is enjoying something together, which I think has a communal aspect, which I think is really important in our world. And right Mm -hmm. now I feel like our world is so fractured where there's, like – Things for people who like sports and things for children and things for people who like want to be a princess. Right. And not sp- not just things for children, but things specifically for children who want to be a princess who are between the ages of uh, three and seven. Right. Like, and like if you talk to your friends that have children, mm-hmm. um, like their hatred of Peppa Pig is – I don't know if you've heard of Peppa Pig. I've heard of Peppa Pig. Okay. I don't talk to my friends who have children. Um, <laughs> I mean, some people <laughs> love Peppa Pig. Two three-year-olds love Peppa Pig. Right, 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 right. They're obsessed. I, my cousin in Ohio has a child about that age, and she, I don't. She talks about Peppa Pig or uh, Kalu. She hates yeah. Kalu or yeah. whatever. I I don't pay enough attention. That's fair. I just think <laughs> we should all be watching I Love Lucy together on the couch. Yeah, or whatever. That's show. fantastic. Obviously, I, not necessarily I Love Lucy. I have a friend uh, who um, I made a friend when I moved to Seattle who already had children, um, and I met her children, uh, and I adore her children. They're awesome. We read all the same books. Great. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> um, I am allegedly a grown-up. But but her her youngest daughter was watching I Love Lucy nonstop mm-hmm. and stuff like that. She was, she was finding and discovering these older things, and, uh, and it, the great thing about I Love Lucy is that you can discover it as a child and like enjoy it um and there are a lot of things that you like you discover as a child now and your parents have to be like nope not doing that (laughs) yeah so I think and I mean I love Lucy is just like the example that I can remember um 
But I think anything where we're we're saying that this is for everybody, this is for children and everyone, mm-hmm. means we're welcoming everyone into the room, which I think is building, again, a really good sense of community, which I think is something that theater can be really good at, mm-hmm. having a place where everyone in the community goes to this one theater because it's their home theater. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the children. It's not just the adults. But everyone can come together, I think, is great. And that doesn't mean I also don't think, like – there should be, like, kid things for kids and adult things for adults. Because I think that's right. true, too. Like, I don't think that kids should only be given these hurdles to leap up to <laughs> about philosophy. Sometimes I just need some Peppa Pig, okay? Right. Like, we all need our Peppa Pig in our life. Um, currently, I'm drinking wine. That is a thing that is only for adults. And I think yeah. that's a good thing that it's for adults. Yeah. And the kids can drink their Capri Suns. I mean, I might, too, but... <laughs> I love that high C. I can't. I can't lie. I the one thing that um, so I started. I read the the plays. I started reading the plays before I read the preface. Uh, um, and I was thinking when I was reading it. Oh, this is the our definition of children in this uh, in this space is different from our definition of children that we work from. Like we we talk about children as like up to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in the pl- I felt like in the plays as I was reading it, we're talking about children as people who need to learn and kind of ascend to thinking in a more critical manner and and uh, creating agency in their world in a more like critical and serious way uh, that that doesn't just repeat what other people say or other people think that kind of shifts. I, the, you know what I'm, you, you know what yeah. I'm saying. Like you're kind of, you kind of have like this, kind of like in that classroom scene where they're right. all having a conversation and saying like their own point where they can mm-hmm. view philosophy from, and then um, it takes it and like expands upon all of it and like right. wraps it up in a nice, not quite a nice bow. I think he's he doesn't give you any simple answers, which is mm-hmm. what makes it an interesting thing to chew on and not just like a fun right. thing to turn on and turn off. Right. So that's what where I thought we were working from, and then I read the preface, and um, and um, Ahmed Elaine Badu was like, "Oh yeah, this is for children," and I thought it was great when we did it for children, and I was like, "Oh, he's earnestly thinking this is for children." Like he did it in a park yeah. with a bunch of kids. Um, <laughs> and but I think what's great about like having thirty four like scenes and short plays, mm-hmm. and having so much of it being improvised is you can kind of work with that audience, and so if mm-hmm. you have. Um, the kind of actor that is a really good improviser and is good at reading the room, like that improvisation is going to look different if you're doing something on like a college campus, at, mm-hmm. like a late night set, or if you're like in a park with children. Right. And so I think if you have a good cast that like really knows each other and knows um, the arc of their scene, like mm-hmm. they can really play with those ideas in a fun way that could be fun for different audiences and could leave people with kind of things to think about and talk about. So I think yeah. that part is actually really cool and really intriguing. But like you, mm-hmm. there were definitely some things where I'd read a line and be like, ooh, is that for children? <laughs> the children mm. would feel like they were getting away with something if they saw this play. <laughs> but I think also, you know, like I grew up on like Bugs Bunny cartoons and those mm-hmm. were incredibly violent. Oh, yeah. And so like someone beating someone with a stick is like common – Bugs Bunny Comedia, is mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny, it's all of that. Very in the, it's very Comedia-like. And yeah. this is very specifically supposed to be modeled after Comedia. And Comedia is a great uh, – it's a great thing to look at. Um, 
I don't, I like, I really like looking at commedia as kind of a basis for why we laugh and who, you know, what we're laughing at. And as an actor, like, you should be flexible and read a room and, <laughs> and you should be there for the fun of the audience or the edification of the audience or to make. Elaine Badu talks about how he hates theater these days. Because it just kind of is supposed to be there to be moody and morose or like to to like to make people upset about things. And that's not what theater should be. And I feel like I've I've <laughs> felt those kind of moods where it's like, oh, this is good art. Like it's only good right. art if Leonardo DiCaprio like almost killed himself out in the woods growing a huge beard. That's good <laughs> art. And if it gives you joy, it's mm-hmm. not art. That's he's attractive, comedy. but he's trying not to be attractive. <laughs> That's art. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but God forbid, like, there's a bunch of boys just dancing on stage or girls dancing on stage, then it's not art. Right, right. I had a professor. I've said this in the podcast before. I had a professor in college, um, Matt, Matt Groves, who is amazing, uh, wonderful person, wonderful teacher. He always said that uh, comedy is meant for teaching and tragedy is meant for um, you go to the theater a, tra- a tragic play for catharsis. Mm-hmm. So you don't learn anything from it. You feel it. You you get out the feelings that you need to get out, and that's purposeful and it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, but but comedy is really like it's where we look at the world through a lens where we don't have to feel like that person like. Yeah, and that—that's kind of what you know. You're meant to learn from a comedy, and comedy—comedy comedy is one of those things that gets thrown under the bus a lot. I feel like, oh, this isn't art. This is comedy. But yeah. comedy is more meaningful sometimes than than the things that fall in between. Man, something that isn't a successful like catharsis or a successful comedy that kind of teaches you something are those those kinds of things upset me too <laughs> yeah no and I, I mean I think this comedy definitely like mm-hmm. proves that comedy is art and can talk mm-hmm. about things and and still be very funny um and it, especially it being based kind of around like that Moliere character mm-hmm. um there's so much in that farce that is like looking at culture and calling culture out on its mistakes but also like playing with both characters on stage and laughing at both of their faults mm-hmm. um which is just a more joyful place to be than yeah. two people that are failing and nobody laughing about it and just right. watching them fail. But if everyone can kind of pick themselves up and laugh, I feel like we can all kind of go on another day well, if we learn that. And it's a great way to, like, I feel like a lot of times we're arguing in our mm-hmm. daily lives with people who don't see eye to eye with us. Mm-hmm. And a great way to bring people back to the same level is to make them laugh at other people. Yeah. And if that other people has to be me as the actor, that's perfect. Yeah. Like, I'm there for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Like, if you were talking to someone about their own maybe, like, racist or misogynistic behavior could mm-hmm. be a problem. But if I was going to, like, watch this play and then talk about maybe one of those scenes and how I didn't like the relationship bickering because it mm-hmm. felt so combative and I feel like a relationship should be – a more peaceful and trusting place. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like that's kind of a good conversation. And I mean, I've been with my husband for 10 years at this point. Um, <laughs> so 
hopefully that's a place where I view my relationship as being less combative. Right. You know, I mean, we fight like anybody, but. You work on those things. I mean, those are the things that you work on as an adult. And these are the places we're trying to get to. And, yeah. And obviously, I c- you can look at the people who are fighting and see like, oh, I, I'm fighting like that. That's funny. But you also talk to like, what's a better way to do this? These people should do that. And then you're like, oh, wait, I'm those people. (laughs) So it's a way to like not get in a fight, but also be like, wow, like (laughs) if we ever found ourselves doing that, like we really should (laughs) take better care of each other, right? (laughs) Um, So I feel like, yeah, it's a way to talk through those big issues without like calling anyone out, which is also something we do in the classroom to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we'll take a little – card with a story on it and then be like wow if you were this person what would you do and it's you know something that we pull out when it's like oh we've had a bunch of recess arguments like here's one about recess and then kids can all let out their feelings about like mm-hmm. well I would be so mad because da 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 and they aren't calling each other out specifically mm-hmm. but they're all letting out their own personal journey and then we can talk as a kind of group about how to create community guidelines about how to treat each other Right. I love the idea of using role play and theater in general just to, like, work it out, you know? Like, let's get through our stuff. I th- I think theater is the savior of everything because that's what I went to school for. Just theater and philosophy. <laughs> Put it together. Talk about it in a circle and gonna, the world is fine. Yeah. Everybody hold hands. <laughs> no, we don't hold hands. No There's holding hands. There's too many colds. It's December. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch each other. Don't touch me. Um, that's a big thing in my classroom right now. No whole thing. I love you, but like you need (laughs) – I just sneezed, so back up. Or you just sneezed. (laughs) Oh, one of my friends just sent me a text in the middle of the day that I happened to see. While I was on a break, the children were not there. Okay. Um, Just being like, oh, so-and-so just coughed in my face. Oh, no. Like a fourth grade student (laughs) coughed in their face and then said, don't worry, I'm not contagious. And we're like, we're going to die. Literally, of the plague. We're all going to (laughs) die. Of the plague at school. Being a teacher is one of the most terrifying (laughs) things I think that would ever happen. I have been a – I've directed children's plays, and that's fine. That's great. But, like, I don't think I could do that on a regular – like, I would love to – please have me back. I would love to do that again. I would love to direct a children's play again. But – I did it twice a week in the evenings for two mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's enough for me. <laughs> Whereas I had that job when I yeah. was doing that and bartending and trying to be an actor and da 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 And I was like, well, I actually didn't quite come to the decision. One of my friends who had mm-hmm. hired me to teach a summer camp mm-hmm. um, was like, why are you killing yourself? Like, why don't you just go to school and become mm-hmm. a full-time teacher? You'd be making way more money, only doing things you like to do and are good at, mm-hmm. and you'd be happier. And I was like, um, great <laughs> question. Why aren't I doing that? And so I did it. Um, it was great. <laughs> We're all happy for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and you still do theater. Yes. I think a lot of the discussions I have with people who are struggling with uh, whether or not to stay in theater or like, what am I doing here? Um, is this this idea that like it's either I am a theater artist or I go do something else. And it's ridiculous because as an actor or a theater artist in general, which is kind of how I've identified lately, is like, I'm a theater artist. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't just stick to acting. As a theater artist, 
we are always theater artists, mm-hmm. especially if we engage in theater regularly or if we're, you know, listening to a podcast. You know, we're always engaging with theater. Yeah. And Going we don't to see a play, talking about it with a friend afterwards. Right. We don't give that up just because we ask for stability or we find a mm-hmm. calling in, in, in acting and in teaching. You know, like we're, we're not quitting who we are because it was too hard we're we're just making our priorities different and nurturing the parts of ourselves that need to be nurtured in order to become better artists yeah and I mean it's definitely difficult there are definitely days where I go to rehearsal after teaching all day and it is (laughs) you know I I don't have enough left in the tank really to be at rehearsal and then the Mm -hmm. next day I don't really have enough to teach um so really practicing some self-care around that is absolutely vital. <laughs> um, but both of those things give me so much joy most of the time that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I we know, all have our rough days. I know that feeling, yeah. But like, you know, in my soul, I love doing both of those things mm-hmm. so much that I feel like I do have the best of both worlds where, um, you know, I make enough money to live a comfortable existence and I get to just hang out in my classroom with my, you know, 20 little friends and learn stuff and, you know, kind of have be the center of attention all day, let's be honest. (laughs) And then often I get to go rehearse in the evenings for, you know, different shows. And those shows, since I am not trying to make that my entire existence Mm -hmm. with theater and I am, you know, getting kind of fed artistically in my day job, Mm -hmm. um, I, in a sense, I can be more choosy. I can be less choosy if it's not the best show in the world, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is the best show in the world, great. Even if I'm doing it for free in like the Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere, like great. (laughs) Let's do some art. Let's show some people a play. Why not? I think there's value in that. And so not having any of my finances revolve around theater has been very freeing for me. That's wonderful. I love that. I kind of have – I'm kind of in a similar position. I do have more of my finances revolving around theater, but I've gotten a job where I can kind of support myself and I don't have to worry about losing my apartment, yeah. which has been a worry. Right. <laughs> um, and it's great. It's great for me when I when I want to think about, like, what am I going to do next artistically? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about you. the play you suggested, I, Jalosi. Ooh. By David Burdell. Yes. Okay. So I haven't – I didn't realize we we're going to talk about that today. So I didn't I'm look sorry. over it again. Oh, no. Um, but I was in it okay. five years ago. So I'm very familiar with it. Right. Still. Um. <laughs> if you had to have me name all the characters that I did not play, I would probably refer to them more as their Commedia dell'arte component <laughs> than necessarily – the name of the character? No, just tell um, me why you recommend, like why you great. recommend it. So, um, we've been talking a lot about kind of the lenses we view theater. So, some of the things I loved about Ejelosi. So, Ejelosi is about a um, <laughs> troupe of Commedia dell'arte actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had the year in front of me. I w- oh. I could make up a number, but it's like seventeen hundreds, maybe. Okay, ish ballpark yeah. give or take a hundred years <laughs> um so the troupe of actors is kind of traveling around and kind of getting into mischief um there's like politics in there there's all of those artistic things we've been talking about about mm-hmm. what it means to be an actor and what it means to be a troop and um lots of disasters and it's kind of viewed I th- 
I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the play they are ghosts. I know at the end of the play they are. Um, but all the actors or all the characters kind of mm-hmm. step forward and just like introduce their story of like this is who we were. Like we're mm-hmm. parts of the theater still. So it's super artsy. But the reason I love it is there are a lot of really nice juicy female characters. Who doesn't um, love that? Right? We do <laughs> so- a lot of that. I hate to, I hate to be like – I don't want to brag about it, and I like hate to like. It's just a, the fact of the fact that I am a friends with a lot of females in theater who are mm-hmm. like, oh, I love this play because I could be in it. I could be in it, <laughs> um, and not only me, but my friend that we always get called back for the same roles um, every time. They mm-hmm. pick one of us, usually her. I'm not better. Aww. I love her. She's brilliant. Um, but we both got to be in it. It was the most exciting thing ever. We were like, we got to be in a play together. That's awesome. We've known each other since college. It's the only time we've ever been in a play together. I remember the play that we were in together, Wild Mushrooms. I remember mm-hmm. when we got called back. I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell everybody this Great. story. Um, I got called back, and there was another woman who is normally a, a musical actress who is trying out for the serious part. And then um, – She and I were kind of like, okay, we're going to get – there are two roles for women our age. We're going to get one of them. And you waltz in and you're like, so I missed auditions, but (laughs) – I was friends with the director. We worked together on two shows already. I was friends with a bunch of the people called back. (laughs) Uh, And you decided to I was the worst. And I told people this at the callback because I'm a bad person. (laughs) Again, why people shouldn't give me lots of money because I'm a selfish, bad person. No, it was – I definitely just showed up and I waltzed in and I just met Amy. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. I, like, missed the audition. And, like, I don't even know what this play's about. I haven't read it. I'm the worst. I'm the worst person. Oh, my Um, gosh. (laughs) But I was also auditioning for that character, so that worked really well in my favor (laughs) because I was the dumb blonde. all the dumb blondes. it was so fun. She's not dumb. She just uses words that sound like words that are correct. And the words she picked are not. And the worst (laughs) one was when she was using something with fractions or factors. And there was some line, and I was supposed to say the wrong thing. And you kept saying I was the right teaching thing. it oh, in math. I, like I was in that math unit. Yeah. And I was like, I, I physically cannot say this wrong. <laughs> I say it right every day, all day long. I say it right. I can't do it. I did it, but it was hard. I had to think about that one a lot. That, that was an – anyway. I, I loved it. playing her. I don't know what else is going on in that show, but I had a great time playing Dodie. <laughs> she was fun. Um, Victoria was the opposite. So mm-hmm. in Age of the character I played um, – I referred to when I was working on her as kind of uh, Cersei Lannister light. <laughs> so it's like the only super dramatic kind of evil role I've like nice. ever gotten to play. Nice. And it was just such a treat to like sink my teeth in and like chew on her. And I got really good reviews. So I felt really good about myself. Um, and then I went to grad school and kind of stopped acting for a while. So fair, fair. that worked out real well. Yeah. But no. Ejilisi was a treat to work on. And everyone Good. that was in the cast was just so wonderful. So it's about Commedia. Is it kind of in the style of Commedia? Yeah. Like so, this play? <laughs> yeah. So it was really fun because I knew nothing about Commedia. And uh-huh. any sort of improvisation scared the pants off of me. So it was really like I walked into that rehearsal room like, oh, no. But it was so fun. And we worked with um, – a coach that um, works in Commedia dell'arte a lot Mm -hmm. and she was so fabulous and gracious and really like helped get out of us and um, our lead is a fabulous Commedia dell'arte actor and loves 
comedian. And so just watching him was a treat. He got to go off and like do a bunch of great stuff. And I would just sit and glare because I was evil. And that was fun for yeah, me. Sitting and glaring. I yeah. feel like I could play Circe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got to have other scenes where I did a lot. but No, no, I get it. I didn't necessarily have to be a really good Comedia dell'arte actress. I kind of bought my way into the company <laughs> because uh, I was dating the Duke that was funding them. There you uh, go. <laughs> worked out great for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was so fun. I love playing the villain. So fun. That's exciting. Oh my gosh, it was so fun having you on here. It's such a treat. It's so good to see you. It's nice to see you too. All right, I'm going to cut it off now. Thank you guys for listening.